I think we've just been programmed. Look at this country and how it was built. And it's like produce, 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 produce on the backs of other people. So we're told that's normal. So then you think it's a luxury to take care of yourself. And so my whole vibe is like, stop making that a luxury and like make it required and start seeing how your life changes. Welcome back. You're listening to Let It Out. My name is Katie Dalebout. This week, you're about to hear a conversation that I recorded just a couple weeks ago with Jocelyn Kelly Reed. Jocelyn and I talked over Zoom. She was in Brooklyn. I was here in LA. And I think this is a good conversation to, to air this week. I hope you're doing okay wherever you are. Jocelyn, as you'll hear, unlike me, is a business expert. I couldn't be further from a business expert, but we don't spend a ton of time discussing the minutia of business in this episode. So don't worry if you were worried about that. And if you are bummed about that, also don't worry because we talk about her 15 years of experience in marketing and sales and how now she she does help people around money and finance but she does it in a really unique specific way she is direct in a way that i really admire she's also sensitive and sweet and honest as you'll soon hear from our conversation and we talked about trauma and actually the connection between trauma and money We talked about how she went from feeling incredibly burnt out, living in San Francisco, working in finance, to eventually moving through the artist way of the book and working in interior design, and now how she works with people and starting her own business. We talked about her move to New York and embodiment and some of the practices that she leans on now. And some of my favorite parts of this conversation were where we talked about our similarities and how we both feel like we really need space. (laughs) We talk about communicating what you need and why that's so important. We talk about how you can be addicted to a person and, and much more coming up on this week's episode. Thank you so much as always for being here. It means truly more than you know. I love doing this and I hope I get to keep doing it. And To all of you who listened to last week's episode and the week before's episode with Virgie Tovar, part one and part two, I've gotten some really nice feedback from people who said they really needed those episodes, those tune-ups around body image and letting go of diet culture. So if that's you and you missed those or that's a completely new topic to you, go back and listen to the last two episodes and... If you're new here, welcome. Dive into the archive. We're so close to 400 episodes, which is truly bananas. Enjoy this episode with Jocelyn, and I will talk to you at the end with a few more announcements. Before we start recording, so we have this mutual friend, Lacey Phillips, who's done this podcast a couple times. But what was so 
interesting is that I've been really excited to do this. When your publicist reached out months and months ago, they linked to, they were like, Jocelyn has been on the Lacey Phillips Expanded podcast. And I was like, oh, cool, Lacey's show. And when Lacey started the podcast, she was working with this wonderful person named Lila, who is still my friend. And oh, yeah. And I, she, you know, I'd been doing the podcast for a while and, and she asked if I would, I would help them and, and help them figure out like the microphone setup and all of that. And so I did. And now expanded is like <laughs> expanded and is huge and like far ex- exceeds where let it out was then or now. And it's like so incredible. And Lacey was so kind to me because she was like, you should help. You should do like how I do manifestation advising. You should do podcast advising. And I did. And then I made this course about podcasting. I made this workshop called Let a Podcast Out right after that. And Lacey was so kind to me in sharing it and promoting it and bringing bringing people to it. And she has been nothing but kind to me when I was preparing for today. And the next episode just started playing and it was me. That's what just that's what Jocelyn was saying. And so it was really funny how we were right next to each other there. <laughs> and that's how I actually know who you are <laughs> from her show so as well. So you listened to that one back then. Yeah. I mean, now I don't rem- Now it was a long time ago because yeah. that was what the end of 2019. But I knew I, that's why I like knew your name, even, you know, for all of these years, even though I didn't, you weren't like in my field yet, but I was, I knew your podcast and I knew like of you, you know, it's so funny to, to hear us having this conversation now and both of our conversations from, from back then, like we were saying, it just, it couldn't, we could never have anticipated, you know, what was, what was coming to us back then. And just like hearing our 2019 selves is, is is really funny to me <laughs> because it was not that long ago. And, no. I, and people still message me about that episode. And in my mind, I know it was so potent, so powerful, but I'm like, that was like such a baby version of me, you know, like I didn't even have a business yet. I was just sharing my life, which I think is why it's so interesting to people. Yeah. Well, and there was no, there was truly no, I had no agenda, no, it's kind of wild. And then the universe just lined us right up right next to each other two years yeah. ago. And here we are. I know. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm, I'm really happy that after many, many months, we're finally doing it. And we had to push it to be a little bit later. And I was starting to say before we started recording that I, well, you were like, I was actually so glad you pushed it. I like spaciousness. I really pre- enjoy spaciousness, just generally speaking. When I was in, I was traveling a bit before the pandemic and I was with two friends and they taught me this lesson that I feel like you'll really like. And it sounds like you already do this in your life, but essentially about communication where it's our responsibility to communicate exactly what we need. She was like, when you don't communicate what you need, it puts everyone else at risk. And I was like, what? That sounds like a little bit dramatic for, you know, because essentially I, you know, I'm from the Midwest and I'm like a real people pleaser. And I, w- I was having this pinch nerve sciatica and where we, we were in Bali and there's a lot of floor sitting in Bali, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and she was like, do you want to just like move to a, a table where we don't sit on the floor? 
I was like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, it's really fine. And then meanwhile, now your I'm like, back is like, yeah, I'm like crazy. doing yeah. a weird stretch. I'm like rolling around and she's like, oh, you're not like, let's move. And we do. And she, she explained this to me later. She was like, dude, the table was better. Everything was better. I actually preferred being over here too, but like you not speaking up made the whole dinner different. So you got it. Like it, and I was like, oh shit. All right. This is something we have to do. And I think maybe with the time thing, Totally. I mean, there's certain things where read the room, you know what I mean? Right. And I do think that communication is so important. Uh, You know, I coach a lot of women and just women especially have been very conditioned to kind of go along to get along, not rock the boat. You know, everything is fine. Good is good enough. You have more than the neighbor has next door. You should be grateful. Just like small, 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 right? Seven down, seven down, seven down, seven down. And so much of our liberation is really like breaking those chains and just actually being able to one, even acknowledge your desires or what you want in the first place, and then actually like speak it out into the world. And most of the time, I would say with clients, for example, I see that that is an enormous part of the journey, whether it's, you know, how you show up in your relationship and your friends, in your business, even in your social media, right? Charging what you want to charge, just doing what you want to do. And it's so wild that this, it's such a, it can be such a challenging space at so many different levels. I don't think this is something that just like, oh, goes away become you, because you become successful. Like I even find myself catching myself where I'm not speaking up and, I, and I'm forward. I'm in Aries. My Mars is in Aries. I am direct. And still, right, it comes up for me too, but there's always just so much magnetism and just so much more enjoyment out of life and deepening of relationships and our entire experience when we are willing to show up fully, which is largely using your voice. Mm. Yeah. And it is better because you are an active participant from your place of wholeness, right? Rather than from a place of our wounding. Right. You spoke a lot about your parents and your upbringing you you grew up here in california was this sort of communication style modeled for you what was no growing up like and how yeah how is it different now <laughs> was it models for anyone <laughs> but yeah exactly true um <laughs> no not at all my parents are from the south no no not really in fact i felt like i was too much right like i didn't feel I mean, they were doing their best. There's lots of ways that they were phenomenal parents, but in terms of just that, that, that emotional side and having a lot of emotional capacity to hold space, they just never learned the tools for that. I don't even feel like it was because they didn't want to. I really feel like they didn't know how, because what tends to happen with people is when we don't have that emotional capacity yet, it when other people like bring things to the table, it kind of overwhelms our system because our system hasn't really been expanded into being able to just hold more period, which would include holding more of like, you know, receiving other people as they are right now without melting down or shutting down or whatever. So I feel like they didn't have a lot of experience with that. So I felt like I'm very vocal. I'm the most extroverted person in my family for sure. I have three brothers. I often felt not just with them, but in general, just it, it kind of gave me this feeling like something was wrong with me. Yeah. I think it's interesting that that feeling of being too much, I 
always felt like that when I was younger and still now, even I, I, I will leave an interaction. And this happened this weekend where I was like, why did I feel the need to say that? Like, that was definitely my ego. Why did I drop that bit in? You know, and then there are other times where I feel opposite of like, oh, I could have said that then. Or I feel like I didn't even show who I was at all because I just out of fear, whatever it, it was, or just I didn't. And sometimes that feels good. It feels good to be quiet and listen and, and see what else is happening and be really present. It can be challenging to discern that, but I think definitely feeling that way of not wanting to feel be too much as a kid. And that has taken me well into adulthood of like trying to, especially in relationships, like trying to force myself to be physically smaller and in so many ways. Did did you experience that? I mean, I still sometimes have the feelings of, ooh, I wish I'd explained that a little bit differently or said, you know, if you're in a conversation with a friend, it's not really about too muchness or like how it comes up now. It's more just sometimes I'll have a fear of like, ooh, did I seem like critical or you know what I mean? Like something like that. But now if I do that, I just go back and share with them what I actually meant, cleans it up for me rather than letting it linger. And usually, like, obviously, most people were, were fine anyway. As a kid, I don't remember actively thinking I'm too much. I just felt the experience of like something, ooh, something feels wrong. Or I would really be overly quiet in a lot of my romantic relationships because I feel like my dad was definitely kind of like a a more dominant, like, oh, like if I disagreed or whatever, like he just did not know how to just like navigate in terms of like that conversation. And then now, but I've also just found so much freedom and expression. And my parents didn't mean to do any of this. Everything had been perfect. I don't have any life experience under my belt. Like if I can't actually speak from the book of life and not just things you read about, right? Or hear, is going to be very challenging to help people transform. Mm, yeah. In the episode with Lacey, you talk about, I believe it's your Saturn return, but your parents are from the South. You go to an Ivy League school and I think you're working in finance, but you're living in LA. Is this sort of when your life really started to shake up and change? So I was working in finance. I lived in San Francisco for seven years before I moved to LA. Okay. And yeah, I had a pretty, and then I kind of went through this whole thing where all of a sudden everything in San Francisco, I didn't want anymore. I didn't want the job anymore. I didn't want the boyfriend anymore. I didn't want to live there anymore. And everything kind of came crashing down at once. And I would say that for the first time in my life. And then I just felt this strong pull to move to LA. And that's kind of when my whole unraveling happened, which was honestly the beginning of everything. And I was there for five years and yeah, all my trauma really came to the surface. I got in this really toxic up and down relationship. I had a really insane psychic awakening, but I wasn't spiritual at the time. So I didn't really know what it was. And then that led me to becoming addicted to psychics. I was addicted to this dude and also didn't know what was going on with me with all these like premonition dreams, dreams of white light, hearing voices. I mean, it was like one of those moments. Yeah, I destroyed myself financially when I'd obviously been like very financially stable previously and I'd never had any experience with. So I and I had managed money well. So it was really wild to just 
get in such a traumatized state that I basically allowed my whole life to crumble. Once again, though, I'm not surprised because so much of my work is around money. Well, if I had never had to start from the bottom up and start over and rebuild so many of my, the different phases that we go through in our relationship to wealth and what money means to us and the material plane and all the things, I wouldn't be able to lead people the way that I do. So it all makes sense in hindsight. The time, it was terrifying, honestly. Wow. So how did you work your way out of that? Like what came next and and how are you, how are you feeling? Well, obviously feeling pretty, sounds pretty It felt tough. crazy. It was <laughs> yeah. horrible. Yeah. And I was one of those people where like, you act fine on the outside and everything's a disaster. So I also felt like I was in hiding. Like I had no one to talk to about any of it. It was weird. It was not, <laughs> I didn't know what I know now. You know what I mean? I wasn't in the world I'm in now to just go get help. And I remember like I went to talk therapy. That did nothing for me. I was like, this is making it worse. All I'm doing is talking about it over and over. Like this isn't actual healing, but I didn't know what to do. It was kind of like I had the brain of an addict, honestly, is how it felt. I had a health crisis at the end of it. And I had fibroids. I had to have open surgery. I literally couldn't work because I had a, got a period that never went away because of the fibroids. So I was bleeding for like basically hemorrhaging blood for like two months. That's I, what happened to me. That's why I had to reschedule the first time. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. I had the same, like my period never. Yeah. It was insane. I mean, that will bring you to your knees hemorrhaging blood for two months. They were trying to get me to stop bleeding. When I had the surgery, I literally had 37 fibroids. Oh my God. I'm so One, sorry this happened. Thank you. But also there were warning signs <laughs> well before we got to this place, but this just shows you, right? Like I, but I just needed the wake up call the way that I got it. And ultimately like I was okay. And honestly, it's good that it happened because it, that is what actually woke me up. And I remember that I couldn't work. I couldn't do anything. I was laying on the sofa. So I had nothing to do but evaluate the state of my life and my choices, you know? And also, I'd never really had any health things before. So it seemed really out of left field that all of a sudden I would be hit with this so squarely across the face. And I found Louise Hay, and that's when I looked up. I looked up the spiritual reason for fibroids. And it was romantic shame. And I was like, well, that makes sense because I've been dipping around in this drama for five years and like literally aligning my whole life to this tornado that is not even a relationship. And here we are. I'd love to talk about that more because you said addicted to a person. And I think that's related to what you're talking about right now. What, what did that mean? It's just the way that other people like were addicted to drugs and in the brain of an addict, you're just seeking that high and seeking that thing so badly that you literally throw all logic to the side. No one else destroyed my finances. I did it. The way my brain was working was not the way that it works right now. I was just in total flight or flight all the time and literally felt addicted to this connection, which my Chiron is on Venus, right? So that's love and money. So that's the area where I was going to always have the most transformation in life, which makes sense. But I think he was sent to me because I would pay attention to what they wanted me to learn came through him. And it was like, it had to come through another a man or someone I felt such crazy karmic connection to for me to really pay attention. 
Because if it had just been like, oh, random premonition dreams or random, like I wouldn't have put it all together because it was such a big wake up. I mean, and anyone who has an addictive personality <laughs> will definitely understand. I started to wake up and Louise Hay really like she, I just love her energy. And I, she helped me realize that I was in the driver's seat of my life. Cause I, before I would just pray for it to end, I knew it wasn't right. I knew I wasn't well. I just literally didn't know what to do. And I felt like most people, yeah, we've all heard of alcoholism. We've all heard of drug addiction, but I wasn't addicted to drugs or alcohol. I had like an emotional addiction, which became like a psychic addiction, trying to understand what was going on. Da, da, da. And I, so I felt so weird. So even in what was quote unquote wrong with me was still so different than what was quote unquote wrong with other people. And I was like, so it just felt like another layer, honestly, a lot of shame. Yeah. What helped you to release some of that shame? You said that the talks therapy wasn't working. Definitely something, not. Something I wrote down that I really wanted to talk to you about was the artist way. And I'm so curious if that was something that helped you out of this time in your life. And if it's something you still do now, like, do you still do morning pages? Is that something that helped then? It didn't all come off all at once. Trauma doesn't just disappear. The artist way helped me help wake me up to like my creativity and that I wanted to like move into the interior design world, which was what I was doing before my coaching business. So it definitely helped with that. I got like very clear because I was professionally lost for a good amount of time in Los Angeles too, like doing different things and working, but not feeling that full, like, fuck yes, like this is for me. The more I just was opened up, really been a beautiful evolution, honestly, to like sovereignty, which is what most of us are looking for without really realizing it. What does that mean to you? Just being like self-sourced. You know, obviously I was very codependent, which what is that, right? Outsourcing to other people continuously, always, and it's exhausting and we don't feel good. Being fully self-leading in terms of like the choices I make and and just really feeling that full permission to just actually have the life that you want, not based on any condition of like what you grew up with, what stories you're told, what you see in the media. So you're in LA. When did you decide you wanted to move to New York? What brought you there? Did you just want to change after such a... I had wanted to. So I had traveled to New York for work maybe like a year before that whole thing happened with my surgery. And while I was in New York and it's funny because I'd been in New York a million times, it just felt right. For some reason, I'd obviously been in New York before. I never felt it. I didn't have the money. I didn't, I, I had no direction, just like what I was saying at the beginning of the show around, it's always energy first. So I felt the energy, but like, I didn't really know what to do with it. I had to stop working and the whole thing happened with my surgery. And when it came down to taking action to get a new job, I was like, there's absolutely no way. I'm getting another job in the city. I loved what you said, talking about all these tools that have helped us at a period of time. But, you know, because I don't, I don't think about manifestation or like, you know, think about journaling is still something I do. I, I write every morning and I find that really useful, but it's usually these things that are free and, you know, like getting enough sleep, drinking enough water. And I've, in the past done every powder and supplement and tried all the all the things. And I, I liked what you were saying about the artist way or just from... I keep bringing up that, that conversation from before, but how quickly we change and how all of these things are sort of cyclical. Like that was really mm -hmm. useful at that time. And it's something that you could go back to now. 
This episode is brought to you by My Green Mattress, a family-owned and operated certified organic company founded by a father of five with a need to create a hypoallergenic crib mattress for his infant daughter who was suffering from eczema and allergies. The Emily Organic Crib Mattress sparked a complete line of all-natural, safe, healthy, and affordable mattresses for grown-ups and children alike. I just got one and I love it. And get this, I'm having him, the founder the father on the podcast very very soon each mattress is handmade and certified in an organic factory located get this in the midwest just like me that's where i'm from not where i am now but where i'm from they're shipped across the country you can get a virtual tour of the factory which is a delay i just took one if you go to their website which will be linked and if you're listening to this soon or around the day it comes out they're having a fourth of july sale which is very exciting. So with that, you can save up to $200 on certified organic mattresses. The link and the code will be in the show notes for that. Like I said, I just got one. And let me tell you, the organic latex and wool components in my mattress allow for maximum air circulation and breathability, which is incredibly important right now because it's real hot out. My Green Mattress has also partnered with 1% for the planet and they donate 1% of their total sales to environmental organizations. I love that. Of course, everything is hypoallergenic and free from all harmful chemicals. Family owned, certified organic, made in the USA. I also actually got their migraine platform bed, which is made from untreated, sustainable American wood. It's free of stains, adhesives, and all other toxic chemicals. It's really easy to set up at home quickly. I love it. I just got it. And here's the thing. You have nothing to lose because they offer a risk-free 120-night sleep trial and a 20-year warranty on all their products. They're made to order, they ship free across the country in about two weeks, which is not even that long. Please visit mygreenmattress.com to purchase an affordable and certified organic mattress for a healthy night's sleep. Use code LETITOUT in the checkout to receive $125 off a twin or larger and $20 off the Emily Organic Crib. Thank you, My Green Mattress. Something that you said that I really related to, and I loved hearing this articulated, was you you talk about needing open space, needing time and space to be able to create and having big chunks of time open and that freedom is really useful to you and more correct for you. And and you were talking about this in terms of college and you went to this Ivy League school where you noticed the alternative, right? Where you are someone who does their best work, you know, not in these time constraints. And hearing you talk about that, I really loved that because I feel I feel the same way. Even working full time, it was so challenging for me to I could do it. I could get it done, but it was so stressful. It was so hard for me. And I feel so much better when I, and I think, I think to some extent, like we're talking about this, like I'm so this way. I think everyone is, you know, and maybe there are people who, who do work better under an intense time constraint. And to some extent I, I get 
that as well. Having that spaciousness to be able to follow a bit of inspiration or just being in the mood to do something is something that I just really related to. So could you talk more about that and maybe your greatest lesson on creativity? I can't tell you how much space I need. Do not like feeling rushed. I don't like feeling pressured. (laughs) Spend like two hours outside with my dog in the morning. (laughs) I probably take five walks a day. Like I need real room. And it's just so I can hear, you know, we always talk about like intuition, right? As the portal to everything. And you can't hear your own voice if you're always quote unquote busy. Like eventually, you know how that energy catches up to you. And what you thought was you being productive all of a sudden leads you burn out. When we have stillness and we have peace, you get those intuitive nudges, right? That's when you get the idea without space, we don't have access to our own alignment. And our alignment is what creates everything. Men's testosterone peaks at like 9 a.m. And so for them, a lot of times, like that's what feels good. And I remember always being like having to be at work so early in the morning and so over it. And women's testosterone peaks, I think ours peaks at like 1 or 2 p.m. And I'm like, oh, is that why I have way more energy to do things in the afternoon than I do in the morning? Does that mean we're all like that? No. Does that mean anything's wrong if you want to get at 6 a.m., get up at 6 a.m. and do your things starting at 6 a.m.? Not at all. I'm just creating space for people who maybe haven't always felt so aligned with that, or they feel like they have to push to be that way, thinking like that's the only way to get where you want to go. And I just, it's not how I am. And I don't believe it at all. And it's also from the evidence in my life, it's just not required. Yeah. I I mean, here's the thing. It's such a luxury to be able to going from, you know, working a full-time job to now being able to I do the same thing. I take a weirdly long walk every day and go and hang out with my friends at the coffee shop for a while and read and it's I'm it's not lost on me like how my mom never got to do that because she was had to get me to school and and make sure that I, you know, work. She worked so, so, so much. And that would never be something that she was able to do. And I, I kind of can't believe that I can, but I'm so grateful. And you're so right. Like just knowing that that is better for us is, is, is so useful. And I also just feel, I know it's such a luxury, but I'm so grateful that I get to do it. And, and then, okay, I have to read you this quote. I feel like you'll love this. I I was listening to Elizabeth Gilbert on a podcast a while ago and I stopped and I wrote this down. So she said, she was talking essentially about what we're, we're talking about right now. And I think someone was like, what's a, what's a non-negotiable for you? And this is how she answered the question. She said, I need to spend a lot of time in solitude. That's like a very big top line for me. I need that in order to hear what I need to hear. Otherwise, I'm looking to too many other people and asking them if I'm okay. Yeah. Sovereignty. Yeah. I feel like that really describes everything we were sort of talking about here today of you know needing the time and space to be alone and not rush. Yeah. I, I, I love that too. Like I, I used to say I have a rushing problem because it was just so much of my tendency, but it doesn't feel good. Like you said, it it's feels so, awful. It feels terrible. And needing solitude and and you alluded to this too. I would just fill all of my time because I didn't want to 
feel feelings I didn't want to feel. And I didn't want to be alone with myself. Right. And then I think those three things, and then that really relates to, I liked the last line of that, what I just read, because it's so true. Like if I'm not connecting with myself by going on my weirdly long walk and keeping the morning open and writing my morning pages. And if I'm not doing that, I'm not very pleasant to be around because I didn't get okay with myself. I'm codependent asking everybody else if I'm okay. And I just, I I feel like that really combines a lot of the things we were toying with today. Totally. And also, I don't think it should be a luxury. I know it feels like one because our generation is kind of like changing what it means to be alive and well in the world. It's like our parents didn't necessarily have the option because they weren't even shown the option. You know, people all had to collectively like, look at what's happening now. What are they calling it? The great resignation. No one wants to even go to work anymore. I was reading the other day how like the rates of people accepting jobs and not even showing up on the first day are so high. Like people are done. To me, it is not a luxury to actually be able to take care of your human and take care of your like finances in your life. I think we've just been programmed. Look at this country and how it was built. And it's like produce, 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 produce on the backs of other people. So we're told that's normal. So then you think it's a luxury to take care of yourself. And so my whole vibe is like, stop making that a luxury and like make it required and start seeing how your life changes. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you the questions I ask everybody, but there's one thing that I'm dying to talk to you about. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, what is it? Well, it's related to this. And I think it's actually related to codependency too, but it's just this tiny thing where you were talking about someone you were dating. I think it's the the toxic person maybe that you mentioned, or maybe it's someone else, but you said this thing that really stuck with me because I've had a, a similar situation And I wrote down what you said and you said, it was not that I wanted him. It was that he had freedom and I wanted that. Oh yeah. So that wasn't, that wasn't the guy I was up and down with. That was another guy that I had been dating before I moved to LA. And I was kind of like hooked into him too, which didn't last nearly as long. So I was he was living his life and he'd already left his job in finance and like started his own business. Yeah. I realized I was kind of like hooking into him because I wanted the freedom that he had. And I realized that after the fact. And, and freedom is my primary <laughs> driving driving force in life is yeah. feeling free everywhere. That's wild. Thank you for bringing that up. I've forgotten about that. And it's true. And now it's crazy to see because now I have it, you know? That's why I wanted to talk about it. Thank you. It took me a few years. <laughs> but here we are. And also, we I'm always stepping into more too. I am by no means done. I am by no means perfect. I was moving through some inner child edges this morning, literally before I talked to you. Yeah, we all are, right? Like, yeah, become, totally. We're just trying think, to be better at being ourselves. I just think I used to think so this might help someone else that for some reason, like, oh, well if you're successful, if you acquire these things and yada, 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 that somehow like you don't have these experiences anymore. I'm like, that's not true. I still feel very human, very, a lot more empowered, but still very human. And finding beauty in that just allows like deeper connection to self and to life. So, but yes, feeling free 10,000 times more free. And he did have, yeah, he had freedom and I wanted freedom, but I didn't know. First of all, I didn't even know that's what I was doing until after the fact, but also I didn't yet 
know how to source it, you know, because I didn't, I was like, well, free from what? Like I didn't even, I couldn't talk about it then the way that I can talk about it now. But yes, thank you for sharing that. Well, it's interesting because <laughs> I, I really relate to that. Like people talk about with someone that you like or have a crush on or are dating. I've heard comedians talk about this most often where they're like, I didn't want to actually date the person I wanted to be the person. Or maybe I just heard, I remember hearing a comedian talk about this where she was like talking about someone that she dated who had what she wanted. And she realized she, and she said in this episode, she was like, I wanted to have a career like his more than I wanted to keep having sex with him. And that, that always stayed in my brain of like, and that was years, years and years ago. But I remembered that concept of wanting to be them more than you wanted to be with them. And it had just never happened to me before. But more recently with someone, I have felt very inspired by them, which sounds so silly, but in that context, right? Like in the context of of dating, but in in this example with you, like in a way you were inspired by an aspect of this person. And I think that's really cool. You know, I believe that people, how we're able to learn and grow and see what we even want and what's possible for us. And this person was and is so inspiring to me. And I think so much of it comes from it's a very good, he's a very good expander for me because so much of what I was just telling you of like, I, I didn't know that that was possible for me and you make it look so easy mm-hmm. where for me, I feel like I have to do all of this deprogramming and, and like mental gymnastics to just get to where you are regular. Like where you are naturally. <laughs> totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm just like, first of all, God damn it. And second, like, sick. <laughs> like, all right, that's what I'm working towards. And I think so much of it is in like a Abraham Hicks sort of a way, just let go. And yeah, you know, that's what they're doing. Like, that's the they're doing all of this stuff without knowing any of this stuff. You know I think what I mean? it's important to note, though, a lot more men are raised with far stronger conditioning around money and moving through the world in power. What do you mean? Oh like, my God. Like, they're yeah, better. so much better. Not everyone, but yeah. on the whole, there's a reason men get paid more at work. They ask for more money and they don't feel like they need to be so well qualified. Like, Men are, this has been going on for centuries where it's just like, oh, well, you're a man. You know what I mean? So like you ask for money, you get what you want. Da, 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 da. And women have just been taught to kind of like fall behind men some. So there's a reason that a lot of men feel just like more confident moving forward in that way. That's not just you and this guy. That's right. like how men have been conditioned for decades. And it's not wrong, but it's like women sometimes have a little more catch up to do just saw this in finance, right? Finance is a very male dominated environment. And I would just see how guys, like they would just ask for promotions, ask for the raises. There's even statistics around the level of qualification a woman will feel like she needs versus a man. It's just our conditioning. And I remember when I was in finance, I would like pay attention how the guys moved through the company and be like, oh, well. And when I felt a little shaky, I'd be like, what would I do right now? I'm like, well, I'm just going to do what a man would do right now. (laughs) Just go and ask for what I want and like, go for it. 
was I saw them just do that so continuously. Women will be like, "Am I good enough?" Yeah, that statistic. I think I've heard that where you know a dude will say they're they'll raise their hand so much more. They'll apply for something where a woman. I, yeah, I, I obviously don't have it in my head, but I remember hearing that statistic and being like, "Oh my god, yeah!" Like I, I feel like I need to if if I have everything on the qualification list, I also need to add like seven backflips. Like, <laughs> like, can I get you your coffee and like turn you know like whatever you need from me, please? And I think ultimately, what you're what you have seen in work and. What you saw in finance is true in so many other aspects of our lives, and it it's this confidence thing. But but also, I remember looking at this person and being like, God, I have spent so much time trying to control my body and having eating disorders and focusing on not feeling good enough because of a plethora of things, but. Mm-hmm largely how I look and how, since I wasn't going to be the the prettiest person, I'll be the funniest or, you know, I also was like, I was never the smartest person in the room. So I was like, what, what do I have here? I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like good at controlling my body and depriving myself. So I'll just get really good at that, you know? And then that takes your brain space away from everything else. And, and I think, not that, you know, this is not something that happens with people of all genders, but it's something that I think, you know, similar to the speaking up finance bit is is more prevalent in this gender. Well, I think what's so sad for women, I mean, obviously, I mean, I coach a lot of women. This is over and over and over. Women will feel shame just for literally existing. We don't call it that, but it's like, my physical body, I need to make it smaller, smaller, smaller. Let me slowly, slowly, slowly disappear. It's really mm-hmm. sad. Yeah. Is that something that you have experienced? I had a raging eating disorder. I was just young when I was like 12. Yes. So much has been in response to like how I looked or how I perceived that I looked in comparison to who even knows what. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm is that target can be so moving. I mean, some of it is like, okay, I'm African-American. I grew up largely around white people. So I think anyone who's like of any ethnicity and they're not primarily surrounded by that culture, you feel kind of other and just different because you actually do look different, you know, or you feel like you're, what's the word? Like, I don't think exoticized is a word, but you know what I mean? Where people kind of just do that. And I kind of didn't really like that either. You know, I matured. I grew fast. I'm five, nine. Like I actually like being tall, but at the time it was like, oh my God, I'm in like fourth grade. I wasn't five, nine in fourth grade, but you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just growing fast or because I'm also tall, I wear my shoes or a size 10 or whatever. I have boobs. But then I was like growing up in the nineties where it was like heroin chic grunge skinny, you know? And yeah, it was just right. Being so much more like in reaction to what the media tells us is beautiful. Now I don't feel this way, but like in living in reaction to what the media tells us is beautiful, which also changes every few years. It changes every second. We went from like Kim, you know, Kate Moss to Kim Kardashian. So that's obviously not going to work for you. Right. And like, not you, but collective you, us, but also yeah, it was, ex- <laughs> <laughs> it was exhausting. 
being a woman's very interesting, you know, and ultimately it was like, there's where we come in so many shapes, sizes, hair colors, skin tones. Like I'm by no means perfect with it, but I have my degree of self-acceptance and not just acceptance, but actual self-love is so much higher. But I mean, Kate, this has been like, this has absolutely been a lifelong journey, you know? Cause it's, I mean, and it just breaks my heart because I think this is how most women feel. Yeah. I mean, literally, I don't care how much money they're making or whatever. Like it still, if you actually really talk to them, all women feel this. And it's like, we've, but, but I believe it's because we've been made a tool by the media. What's more in focus than women's physical appearance? in the world. It's wild. I'm curious if there's like a connection too between money and how we feel about ourselves. Because the funny thing for me is like, I don't worry about money. I don't have very much, but it's just not something I've always had enough. And I've always felt really, but I think comparatively to people, I like, I can't even conceive of most of those big numbers that you shared, but that's like fine, but it's not something I lose sleep over. But when we talk about body image and how I look and vanity, like, I'll just say it, you know, it's, it's so present because that affects my mood. It affects how I'm able to help other people. It affects, because it's such a fucking distraction in my brain. Yeah. I am more pleasant to be around when I'm not feeling like I hate myself from how I look, but not only how I look, but it's because that's something I've put myself worth into because I haven't gotten it from money, career, relationships, like creative output. It pools all of that anxiety pools into, well, maybe I have this, you know, I can control this. I mean, it's a trauma response. It's a trauma response. It's very normal. I did it too. But if we look at where it came from, right. And we healed that, then you stop trying to control yourself, how you look so much more. And I think that it's like beauty can be important to you. I don't think there's anything wrong with, I care about how I look, but I care about beauty in general, right? I was in interior design. I like love staying in nice hotels. I love being beautiful places and I love taking care of myself. But what we want is like, it's from a place of nourishment rather than from a place of almost like self-harm, but I'm going to move my bodies in ways that feel nourishing to me, right? I'm not going to restrict my food. I don't even like being hungry and it's exhausting to control food, but I'm going to take the time to be like, okay, well, what do you actually want right now? What's going to feel nourishing? Cause that's what's going to help me feel the best. I've just had to slow it all way down. Yeah. It's just, it's so pervasive. And I think seeing seeing people who look like us in media and that's a whole different conversation about representation and going back to what you were saying about growing up where you felt different from the people that you were around probably also because you weren't seeing as much as many people who looked like you in the media at that time. And 
you know, I think that that's seeing people who look are just different, like seeing all sorts of bodies and people who are, yeah, I, I think that's, that's so important because seeing, because like you just did, like you saw it in your neighborhood, you know, and I think seeing that in the media would be helpful. <laughs> I'm not living around all of these like entrepreneurs and Instagram models and all of this. It's largely literally like moms. And I like that. Um, People living. I mean, obviously they're, you know, I shouldn't say normal, like in the fact that, yes, they are financially very like sound and, you know, they have to be to live here and all that stuff. But I just mean like the way they live is very quote unquote, just like normal. And it's funny because if I turn to my phone, it's like, a complete other reality. When you were a kid and and unpacking some of that of your eating disorder so young and growing up where you didn't have a lot of people who looked like you around you, was that something that you unpacked later in life? How aware of all of that were you when it was happening? I was not aware of it at all. I just literally my whole life, I just always kind of felt other and sort of like something was wrong with me, but I had no awareness around it. What helped you to develop that and work through it? I mean, the eating disorder was a control thing. I remember freaking out about, I was like, what was, I was like, I was 12. The whole thing made no sense. My mom, right. Was trying to like lose baby weight and kind of going through all these things with her own body And then I was like, I took on her, what she was going through and became scared that I was going to like lose control of my body. I never intentionally did healing to be like, Hey, I'm not feeling amazing about how I look. How do I heal that? It was more just, Ooh, this trauma is here. This trauma is here. It was like moving through these bigger things that had happened in my life or things I was carrying. And as a byproduct of that, I started to see myself differently. And in having a business and a personal brand, my person is such a big part of it that I also just became more comfortable through hot. Like I get photographed, I'm on video, I'm on social media, I'm talking all the time. It's been interesting because all the places, and I think Lacey talks about this, right? Like the places where we have the most shame are also like where we're the most magnetic. So right, I had shame around my voice. I was in trouble for talking too much. I had shame around how I looked and not looking like everybody else. But then in having to showcase all of that inside of business that's been very successful, I was like, oh, this is actually so valuable. Oh, women love seeing me who like doesn't look like every other coach. You know what I mean? or my story is different. They love hearing my perspective. And it's just funny. I felt that way. One of the comments all the time, everyone's like, you're so beautiful. And like, I didn't always feel that way. I'm not saying I feel that way every minute, but it's like, it was almost required of me to just, it was required of me to just show myself in order for me to have what I want in my business and to give other women the permission to do the same for themselves. And so then it became like a point of power. And because of that, I just started to value myself more. What is helping you today? Like how, even in these these last few years, since being in New York, working in interior design and being a, a freelancer and, and working for yourself and 
what's your favorite part of your life right now? Like how do how do you spend your days? So this is my first business. I've worked for other entrepreneurs, but this is my first like actual business. I always say to people, I'm like, business is like a personal growth journey when you're an entrepreneur. Because people think like, oh yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm just going to go like do these things and make loads of money. And our businesses can only get as big as we are. Practices I like now. So I'm very much in the embodiment space and have that in my world. People would have, be in these patterns and it happened to me too, where this is where a lot of our witch wounding comes from, except if you have a good amount of religious trauma, sometimes it can be from that in this life. It'll be like, we're in these patterns or things keep happening or we have these fears and we don't know why. There was nothing that happened in my direct family. There's nothing I know about in my lineage. And lots of times it's past life wounding that we're carrying. So I found that to be really potent and really powerful for moving things along quickly, just helping people. And it started with me seeing my own Then I started seeing them for clients. It's kind of what I put in this category of like quantum healing, where what we thought would take like five years to heal something takes like a few months. And of course, healing always described as an upward spiral, right? So in the beginning, we're triggered by something. It's bothering us like every day, right? We come back to it over and over and over. And then as we heal, right, it takes us longer to come back to the same thing, to shed another layer, much longer to come back to the same thing, to shed another layer. And it's just about like, okay, well, how do we collapse timelines on that upward spiral? Because as we do that, and then, right, we take bigger actions, we're willing to take bigger risks with high levels of success also comes high levels of risk taking. In addition, of course, like how you show up every day. Yeah. It, it's funny because I I just want to hang out with my friends and make things that feel like the inside of my brain and share them and spend time outside. Like it's all become so much more simple in the last several years and, or the last one year maybe. And do you ever feel like going into, cause I, I, I think that I was looking at your Instagram this morning and I, I love listening to Abraham Hicks and I love, you know, listening to Esther talk about things. And one thing that, that they always say is try like enjoy your life, right? Like have fun. Totally. Just like outside of of the work, where do you just start? Like you know what? I just want to enjoy my like. How do most you most of the time? Yeah. How do you manage <laughs> that in your brain? Because you're not doing hypnosis six hours a day. You know what I mean? Right. It'll be like oh cool when I go to bed or whatever. I mean the whole point is to have a good life. Like my whole yeah. brand is about like ease on top of ease. But for most people having money, business, all of this, just be like, oh, boom, it's easy. Like that's something we have to grow into. And to me, part of having an easy life is having the finances to have one, you know, because I like going on vacation. I like doing nice things. I like living somewhere beautiful. I don't believe that making money has to be hard, but it's like so cool. We have to create another way, but it's very hard to do whatever you want to do if you're worried about money all the time. Totally. I feel like I'm in, in that place. It's so interesting. So I worked a full-time job for six years and then I left that and because I had savings and you know the podcast made some money and I was able to like I was like, I think I can do this freelance thing. Yeah. And I moved and it was a pandemic, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm like, oh shit. I'm like going through my savings. Like, I don't think the podcast is making enough money. I what should I do? You know, and I've tried a million things and I just took on a freelance writing thing that's like actually really challenging for me. And it's I was talking to a friend about this and she was like, yeah, like that's what you have to sort of do right now because 
it's too stressful for me to not have something like that. Because like you said, having just something coming in consistently, that's where I'm... I, I believe that making money, you have to work really hard to do it. And so I think my relationship with money kind of stops there. Right. And this is why people invest in doing the work because it's like, well, we can be like, oh, I don't want to do work. I just want to play. But like, is it that fun to play if you think making money is hard? It starts to become worth it, you know, where you're like, okay, rather than being resistant around leaning into this, I've had enough. I was just done struggling. And like I said, it, it does become an upwards power. You don't spend as much time cycling around on the same things. It just gets easier and easier. There's so much evidence from the universe and like, you get more in touch with your own soul. And I think where abundance feels lacking or anything feels like, Ooh, what is this? Is because there's these pieces of us that are still existing because we're learning right outside of the truth of our own soul. Right. So for example, nothing has felt truer to me in terms of income an impact than this business, right? So no big shocker, this business has been the most abundant thing I've ever created. I've invested an enormous amount of time and money into my own growth, my healing, coaching, to have it be as easy as possible. All these other identities, et cetera, that I was like jobs, yada, yada, that obviously contributed to where I am today. I have a great background in business, et cetera, which obviously has helped my business and helped me help other people move faster. But it's like, they weren't true. They were like helping me find the truth, but they weren't true. It's exhausting actually, (laughs) because I went through that. I'm much happier now. (laughs) Not only was I burning through all my money, I was also acquiring an enormous amount of debt while that was sitting there. I mean, and still invest in myself and still do the things and six figures in debt went to six figure months in two years. You know? I mean, I don't know, but that sounds cool. Well, it is, but I guess what I'm trying to say is I showed up for it. It didn't just fall out of the sky because I really wanted it. I didn't want that anymore. Yeah, no, that's super cool. I tend to be someone who's very much in my head and out of my body. I'm so curious about embodiment work. What does that mean exactly? And is it what it sounds like, like getting yourself into your body and, and connecting there? Can you talk about it a little bit? Oh, it's very heady. And also, as you can imagine from <laughs> the way I describe living, extremely anxious, like level 10, barely sleeping, so anxious. A lot of our trauma lives inside of our bodies, right? That's why we'll have these mystery pains, right? We'll have headaches all the time, stomach aches all the time. The body is the portal to everything, honestly. And so when we feel that like deep peace inside of our body and are connected to our bodies, so much more opens up for us. For example, women, like we carry decades of trauma inside of our wombs, right? You incarnate inside your mother's womb. She incarnated inside of her mother's womb and it gets passed on and passed on and passed on. One in three women have sexual trauma or have all of these other issues inside of our uterus. We're so disconnected. It's like we want to feel connected to life, right? Connected to money, connected to receiving. Then we, but we're disconnected from our own body, right? That doesn't make sense. There's a lot of healing that happens there. I love breast massage. I mean, I even love massage. Breath work also helps you move trauma outside of your body. The more that release happens from your physical body, the more room you have and also the safer you feel. So the safer you feel in yourself, the safer you feel in the world. So you're going to take bigger risks. You're going to ask for more. You're going to use your voice because you feel good with you. 
we've all met people where they're just like emitting this glowy, vibrant energy. And these are the people where it's like, oh, why is money so drawn to them? Why is this so drawn to them? Why is that so drawn to them? Inside their body, they're so clear and our life force energy or our Shakti energy, however, you know, you've maybe learned about it is what attracts so much to us. Everyone has to find like their own way that makes them feel like they're connecting to their body. Like for me, just walking, like walking. Oh, I walk so much. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's gets me out of my head. And what's the greatest piece of advice you've been given recently or in general? I think in general, something my dad said to me a long time ago that I didn't like register until it already happened was like, do what you love and the money will come. And of course, I know that can take time, perseverance, getting help, et cetera. But I just think it is no coincidence that and expressing the way that I love the most has created the most abundance. And it kind of goes contrary to what we're taught about like, do you know what I mean? Just like, well, do what you have to do and you'll hopefully it'll get worked out later. Yeah. So yes, that was good advice. Although I wasn't carrying it around. I reflected on it later. What's your greatest lesson on dating? love yourself. And like, if what you're saying and doing isn't coming from a place of loving yourself, then look at it. (laughs) What's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? Oh my God. Had the best meal in Montauk. We went to the crow's nest. There's this hotel in New York called the Bowery that I love. And they have like a sister restaurant in Montauk. And I had like a part, like a lamb ragu parpadale is it parpadale parpadale you know the pasta shape that was phenomenal (laughs) this show is called let it out so is there anything that you wish that i would have asked that you never get to talk about anything that you want to leave people with i mean no just thank you i feel like also thank you for asking questions with so much depth both about like the wins and the past and also like just even what comes up for me now you know because i really want for people to understand that your humanness is not a block to your success well thank you so much let's take a deep breath together okay inhale let it out Feels better, right? I feel like I should start with that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Kay. I really appreciate the time and the space to be on your show. And I know how much work it is to even have a podcast. So thank you for giving so much time to me. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Okay, that was my episode with Jocelyn Kelly Reed. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm so glad that I got to speak to her and follow her. And of course, this podcast has its own Instagram at Let It Out with Three T's. Let us know that you were here, that you listened to the end. And a few more announcements. Friendship. We talk about it a lot here. It's very important to me. Kayleen Schaefer, previous podcast guest, friend of the show, and I are doing a project on friendship breakups. So there's a survey that you can fill out. If you want to, you can tell us about a friend breakup. We live in a culture that is very familiar with heartbreak, breakup breakups, romantic breakups. However, the conversation around friend breakups isn't talked about as much, and they can be 
as intense or even more intense and more frequent than romantic heartbreak. So Kayleen and I want to talk about that, study that, get into that. And that's what the survey is covering. It's linked in the show notes. And we also spoke a little bit in this about podcasting and specifically a course that I made about podcasting, an online workshop called Let a Podcast Out. I renamed it since then to the podcast kit. But every day people sign up for the free version, which is the first two modules of a 10 module workshop that I made just a few years ago. And it has everything from how to come up with a concept, an idea, and get it to iTunes, how to edit it, how to market it and monetize it eventually, how to interview. And you can also buy some of these elements a la carte. So you can buy just my interviewing bit or just the marketing and monetizing bit if you already have a podcast and you don't need the how to get started part. All of that will be linked in the show notes and I will be making it 50% off, which is a lot of percent. That's half off. So that's huge. It's a really robust course and I'm just going to do that for... I'll do it for the next month. So the month that we're in right now for 30 days. So if you want to do that, use the code SUMMER and start a podcast. It's the greatest thing I've ever done. And I'm really grateful. I've gotten to meet so many people and I'm so glad you're here. And I'm hoping that you're going to stick around even more. So if you listen to the ad, which I'm sure you did, unless you fast forwarded, I said I might even talk to the founder of My Green Mattress, Tim, the father of five. And by might, I mean, absolutely, I did. And you're about to hear that right now. So buckle up because you're about to hear a conversation that talks about the Midwest and a real Joe Para sort of love for Michigan where I'm from and we talk about mattresses and I bring up licorice pizza and waterbeds and you know I hope you're strapped in because it's actually a really lovely earnest sweet conversation with Tim Masters father of five mattress maker for so many years he lived above the mattress shop that he started at I, I genuinely love talking to him so much so here's that conversation i hope you stick around thank you so much for being here let me tell you i've been sleeping really well these last few nights on my new mattress <laughs> yay that's what we like to hear perfect and i actually just set up my bed bed frame and i'm really really excited about it i have been wanting a new one for a while and this is it's incredible so I, i'm really really excited but how are you how how did you sleep last night <laughs> <laughs> actually i slept great last night i'm doing great and um funny enough like sometimes i do have a hard time sleeping like just from you know different of course stuff yeah. going around my mind but it's like uh last night around ironically enough i slept great <laughs> i love, love to hear it love that do you are you someone who remembers your dreams? Do you write them down or have you like worked with your dreams at all? No. And dreams are fascinating. Like, I don't know much about them, but it's uh -huh. um, the way that your mind works and the things and the places your mind goes. It's a great ride. You're just like, what? 
Yeah, I know. I, I was just listening to a podcast this morning, funnily enough, not I didn't even make the connection to us having this conversation today, but they were talking about dream work and lucid dreaming. And it was just like a segment on this bigger podcast I was listening to. And he was saying that it's exactly what you said, just like how wild it all is. But he, this doctor, this psychologist was saying, it's our way of taking things that we're processing somewhere, don't have time to process and working through them, our subconscious. And well, I should just try to find the clip, but because <laughs> I'm, I'm not recalling it well at all. But basically what you said, you know, it is wild to think about how our brains, while we're not even conscious of it, are moving through really wild stories. And I'm sure you've had the experience I definitely have of like waking up and being like, wow, just like flabbergasted <laughs> by what I just was part of, I guess. <laughs> and it disappears so quickly. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, like you, you come around and you realize you're back in, you're back at planet earth and you're just like, what just happened? Yeah, I know. They say, if you don't, if you don't tell someone about it, quickly it just leaves or right. write it down you know that's how you how you have to remember it which i don't do i've gone through periods of messing around with it and, and trying to do that but i think there's definitely richness there but i haven't really scratched the surface with it myself yeah it seems like a rabbit hole when someone tells you about their dreams it's always more interesting to them like no no one wants to start a conversation with like i had a dream about usually it's like kind of the time to tune out. <laughs> it, it's hard to follow the story. Like my kids will come up, I had this dream. And it's like, and I'm trying to follow the storyline. And I'm like, it, it makes no sense to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, where where are you again? Are you in, I know you're in the Midwest, right? Yes, we're in Illinois. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, like right, right in the middle almost of the country. Amazing. I'm from Michigan. Oh, that's great. I love yeah. Michigan. Uh, yeah. We're going this weekend up to Sister Lakes in Dowagiac, Michigan, and Cindy's aunt has a um, aunt and uncle have a like a lake house there that we're bringing our family to. Oh, amazing! Yeah, it's such a it's such a beautiful state, and especially this time of year. Oh, in the fall, like Michigan, like the shoreline is so beautiful through Mich Michigan. I love Michigan; great state. Yeah, this is sponsored by Pure Michigan. <laughs> this <is a> campaign. <laughs> Um, but it, no, it really is. It, it it's um, underrated too. I think. <laughs> yes. Yep. But yeah, nice people, nice landscape, great lakes. <laughs> so you mentioned your wife Cindy, and you, the two of you, have five children. Is that right? Yes. It's, what are um, their ages? They so they're getting older now. It's like eighteen down to nine, and um, wow. so it, really busy household. Like even this past May, we had two birthdays and two graduations. And, um, you know, you're always just like, who has to be where? Uh, yeah. But it's nice that we have a, you know, a driver or two in the house now. So. Wow. Well, yeah, my mom's one of six, but I'm an only child. So I feel like I was around a lot of siblings. But did you have a lot of siblings growing up? Did you always know I, you wanted to have a big family? You know, I, I never thought about really how many kids or anything like that. Like I never, it was never a goal of mine, but my wife. She, she, the more the merrier. I'm like, Cindy, okay, this is about enough. I could, as much as I could do. I wouldn't recommend five. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Aw. Well, I think you started the company as a result of one of your, 
your kids. So tell me about you know what you were doing at that time and what you were doing before. Sure. I've always been a mattress maker. Like since since I was a young guy, I started making mattresses at a local mattress factory. And um, I'd finished college and I worked there part-time till I got through school. And then um, when I was 24, I told the original owner, I was like, you know, Mr. Brixie, I got to get a, a real job. Like I love working here and with you, but you know, I got to go. He's like, if you leave, he goes, uh, I'm going to shut the place down. He goes, my kids don't want it. I'm ready to retire. Give me one mm. more year at your same pay rate and take the company over. And so, and I was like, that's awesome because I love making mattresses. So wow. when I was 25, I bought the building, the equipment, the inventory. The really neat thing about our original store is I was a storekeeper because the Mr. Brixie and his wife lived upstairs of the store. And then when I bought the building, then I moved upstairs. And um, wow. so I lived. Yeah. So, you know, it was really kind of neat. And it's, um, but I love making mattresses. Like it, it was just a great neighborhood store, made a great following. We'd make over 200 beds a month for just a little corner mattress store. And we would deliver mattresses to Michigan, Indiana, Wisconsin. And I'm like, I can't believe it. You know, word of mouth. Uh, you know, that was a long time ago. What year was this about? That was like the mid-1990s. Okay. So that's a long time. Then time goes on. My wife, Cindy and I, we lived upstairs at the store and we started our family. And our second daughter, Emily, was born and she had all kinds of allergies. I felt so bad for Em. And my wife said, why don't you make her an organic crib mattress? And I'm like, yeah, no, no trouble. It's I would make like organic beds, like onesie, twosie, like through the late 1990s and early 2000s. So I made her an organic latex crib mattress. And then I was like, we're not the only family with these chemical sensitivities in this world. So we started after we'd put the kids to bed, we'd, <laughs> we built our own website. Like we didn't know what we're doing, but we'd work on it. We put the kids to bed and like an hour, hour and a half every night, we'd, you know, work on the website. <laughs> Funny enough, like our, our first marketing strategy was uh, once that we got the website going before work every morning, I'd post on Craigslist in the greenest cities, like whether it be Chicago, you know, uh, out in California, New York, uh, Colorado, you name it. Like I'd post in these big cities, you know, twin organic mattress from $299, $189 for shipping. And um, the phone would ring like off the hook because like not many people... <sighs> Back then, we're making an organic mattress. I love I Craigslist. I'm from Craigslist. And it, I literally would take like 60 phone calls a day. And I'm like, this is crazy. It was just me answering the phone. And then I'd be making mattresses, delivering local mattresses, helping local customers, unloading trucks, loading trucks. And I'm like, all right, this is you know really starting to take off. So uh, we focused a lot of our efforts on the My Green uh, mattress product line. And now today, it's so awesome to hear like customers call back and be like, this is our fifth migraine mattress that we're getting. And, you know, we're in Tupelo, Mississippi. And it's like, wow, like you can't believe it sometimes. Like I'm, I'm humbled, you know what I mean? By like thinking yeah. that, you know, that these people are like so glad to get our product. I still love making beds. Like I never go to work. I'm like, oh, another day at work. I'm always like, yay, I get to go. Yeah. So, Wow, that's so cool. Okay, there's so many things from your story that I want to pick up on. You, I love that you just happened 
upon this. You're working for someone and you take over one family business from a friend and then end up having your own. And I, I love the image of you and Cindy working on the website and I love Craigslist. We talk about Craigslist a decent amount here, weirdly. And a couple episodes ago, I had this tremendous artist, Kimmy Quillen, on the show. And Kimmy and I somehow began talking about Craigslist because during the pandemic, she started, or at the beginning of the pandemic, she started this series on her Instagram where she would take screenshots of goofy things she saw on Craigslist. And one of them was someone put on there for free a half eaten cake that they just couldn't finish themselves, but they were going to go to a party, but it was obviously canceled. So they, (laughs) and someone came and got it. And like the comments are really sweet and nice. And it's actually like a really beautiful community. Whenever I've moved the billion times that I've moved to 100 million cities, I've used Craigslist and I've met some lovely people through it. And so I I love, I love that. And it feels very nineties that that was your, your marketing strategy. (laughs) (laughs) It's, um, and it, yeah, it's, it, uh, but it worked. Like, I couldn't believe the response. But what it was is always like you're having to explain yourself to people, like, you know, so, you know, Mrs. Swanson or whoever it may be from New York will call and be like, you know, I, she's skeptical. And so mm-hmm. you're on the phone, you know, 20, 30 minutes with her, like, no, we're the real deal. Like, you know, this is our website. And, you know, um, you know, it was a lot, <laughs> a lot of talking back in the day. Um, yeah. And, and what helps now, like with our with our mattress factory, is there's about 20 people that work in our factory, and two of the guys that finish the mattresses, I hate to say it, but I think they're better than I was. Like they're so good. There's one, there's one guy that works for me and he's been with me forever. And but he does a final sewing in the mattress in his seams his lines are so perfectly straight i've never seen anyone better and i'm always like man you are so good like i love this guy and it's Mm -hmm. um, i treat him so well um but our factory we're only one of just a handful like there's only a few that are actually a certified organic mattress factory and and we get inspected by third parties annually they come in we just had an inspection in june and they come in and they look at your purchase receipts, your sales receipts. Then they look at your inventory, how you store your inventory. Then they look at how you clean your equipment, how the mattress is made. Um, and I love it to have someone else really inspect you and say, okay, you're the real deal. You know what I mean? They, they really put you through the hoops. Mm. And um, <laughs> the, I mean, it's so granular. The guy goes, your uh, hydrogen peroxide bottle is expired. I'd like you to yikes yeah but it's great like i said i really love and enjoy making these mattresses and having a certified organic mattress factory now like really puts a consumer's mind at ease like it's there's no more explaining like no it it really is what i say it is now there's like third-party verification like no look at our certifications look at our accreditations and it's um it yeah it's just getting better and better all the time oh wow this is Honestly, exceeding all of my expectations talking to you. You're so <laughs> genuine. And I mean, I should have known better. You're Midwestern and I love talking to to people from there. And and it's truly, it sounds like you're, you can't make this up. You are so genuinely <laughs> passionate about this and it, it really shows. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I get to connect with you and, and talk to you and work with you because 
I, you know, I, I'm such a people oriented person where, you know, I often make the joke that if someone that I knew and liked and trusted told me to do anything, I'd be like, yes, I'm in, where do I sign? Like, I'm very susceptible to a cult. And it really does make <laughs> a difference when the person behind the product is kind and genuine and you can, and has, you know, a, a care for what they're doing. It, it happens to me sometimes when I'm just in the neighborhood and I see someone who's helping me at a shop or where I'm picking up something or going to dinner and they really care about their job and what they're doing. I'll like get emotional because it genuinely means so much because I think ultimately what we all want and need more of is connection and Obviously, we live within capitalism and you know, this is we're making products and selling products, but sometimes it's just nice to be people with each other, you know, and and stop and and know who's behind something. And and that's why I like doing these interviews. And you can really sense your care for what you do and and that you genuinely enjoy it. You nailed it. Cause it's I really look forward to going to work. And I do so our original store was in like a like a depressed type neighborhood, you know, like it was like a older street and the older buildings from like 1920s. And, um, but I remember one, it was in the winter and I was probably, you know, 26, 27 years old. And I'm working on a Saturday and a, an older woman comes in and she's shuffling in and I'm showing her different mattresses and she's got up a bushka on and, you know, she's kind of covered up. And she's looking at the different products and she goes, let me see your hands. And I stick my hands out, you know, and I show her palms up and I'm holding my hands out and she grabs them and she's feeling them. She's got her eyes closed and she goes, you have green aura. And I go, is that something I need to see a doctor about? (laughs) She she goes, you want to heal people. Mm. And she goes, you should be like a EMT or, you know, I'm like, no, I want to help people with mattresses. Like I would always see like the, like older, I love older people. I don't know why, but these old people come in, oh, my shoulder hurts, my hip hurts. And I'm like, listen, this is a mattress for you. And here's why. It's going to help your joints when you're sleeping on your side of your back. And I'm to the point now, I look at a person, I know how they sleep, stomach, back, or side. I just look really? at Really? I could tell. If you stood wow. up, I would tell you how you sleep. I look at people and I'm like, nope, this is what you need. And this is why. And I know the product so well. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I know the the innards of them. Like we, we now make our own spring systems and um, I love our spring system. Like the thing is just beautiful. The lumbar support. If you're a side sleeper, I got to hold you. And especially if you're a woman, I, I got to hold you nice and straight. I can't be too firm on your hips and I can't be too firm on your shoulders. And I got to fill in by your belt line. Um, I'm always looking at people's physique and I'm like, okay, no, this is the best product for them. But now that we're designing our own spring systems, it's beautiful. And it's and a kid that worked for me through the 1990s. He, he was brilliant. He went to college and he's an engineer. And he, he made high-speed uh, packaging equipment. And he did that for 17 years. And he came back to the store. He goes, Tim, I don't like doing that. What can I do for you? I go, why don't we make springs? So now with him, he's so brilliant. Our spring machine is the best around. And it's, um, wow. but now we, I can dial it in. I'm like, no, this is what we need. And this is what the consumers need. It's not a gimmick. Anything that we do, it's not about coil count. It's not about 
I tell no story. You know what I mean? I'm not real fluffy with words or flowery with words, I guess. But the products we're building, I'm like, they're just unbelievable. I'm like, oh my God, like this is, this bed is here to help people. So that goes back to that lady with my green aura. And it's, yeah. um, I'm like, finally, like, you know what I mean? Like, this is, this is what we've been looking for. Uh. So, yeah, it's, I, like I say, every day is an adventure. So it's like, you never know, like who you can help. Like you say, you get emotional. Sometimes you, you run into somebody and the kindness sometimes that people show you strangers is overwhelming. And it's, um, you know, you think you put yourself in their shoes. I don't know if I would have been so nice to a stranger. You know what I mean? And, right. um, but you never know, but it's like that lady, you know, you got green aura and, you know, I'm, but I really just want to help people when they sleep. It's uh, it's, I've never sold a product based on price. I've always sold a product based on the fit and need for that person or that person's child or mother or whoever. Mm. Like, well, who needs a bed? Like, okay. And what are they, tell me about them. You know what I mean? And they get the bed that fits them the best. So I don't wow. know. Well, you know, too. And it, we're only, Katie, we're only here for a little while and we're all here to help each other. Yeah. And it's, uh, that's about it in a nutshell. Oh, I completely agree. That's, that's really sweet. I mean, wow, that's such a great story about that person coming in. And you never know, you know, something that someone tells you in passing years later can stay with you. And to your point about kindness and strangers and, I was just thinking about that today. I think when something intense happens or there's something kind of jarring, there there are two things that can happen. You know, when someone oppositely of what you said isn't cuts you off in traffic or isn't being kind, <laughs> essentially, you have to also go through the mental gymnastics of like, all right, well, maybe they had a really bad day or maybe they, you know, what kind of news did they just find out or whatever, whatever. And then on the other side of that, I find because some, something kind of stressful happened earlier this week for me and it went the other way where I was, because I was stressed out about one thing, the rest of the day, I was so present with everyone I was with, with everything that I was doing because it it almost i don't know how to explain it or why it just it was feeling like the healing thing that i could do sub subconsciously and there's something about that whether it's through work whether it's through any of your interactions of just going into it with openness and understanding of like we don't know what kind of day the other person had i that makes me think of the david foster wallace graduation speech have you heard that this is water i don't i, I think don't you i think you would really like it because he's kind of talking about this where it's like it's essentially about being present and about being not the graduation speech but what we're talking about right now it's like the the more you can take the time because it sounds like you're very good at that i can just tell from speaking to you right now you pay attention to everyone you work with to everyone you're interacting with whether it's you know a, a business decision or helping someone find a mattress. And I think that's that's really important. And what you were saying about finding the fit for people, I know that there's going to be several 
people listening right now and myself included, and I'm so grateful that I have my mattress here. I hope I got the correct one. (laughs) But how would someone know if they don't have the luxury of coming into your shop and they're hearing this right now and they want to use our let it out code and buy a mattress right now? What you mentioned, you know, about women needing something different how would someone be able to know what the correct fit is for them or should they is there someone that they can email from from your team or how would you suggest they figure that out it so we actually have it broken down pretty well like the products that we offer in our suggestions that we make are like for good for kids and young adults and good for adults or moms and dads or good for guest room. And it's like, we've, we've put those different products in the bucket, but sometimes like if you do have like a chronic backache or joint pain, um, you can always email a bed head at mygreenmattress.com and ask those questions. We have a very small customer service team. And a lot of times I'm hands-on on answering questions. And it's what I do know, like when I see a customer, when somebody comes in to buy a bed, 90% of the time, it's that my lower back hurts. And what happens with mattresses as they get older, mattresses always wear in the hip area. So like right where your buns are. And as soon as your hips drop, whether you're a side sleeper or back sleeper, when your hips start to drop low, like your spine has to arch, like it's bending down, like right at the hip area. And what happens is like the muscles get fatigued right in your lower back and you always wake up, oh, my lower back. But anything from the bottom of your shoulder blades up, like whether it's like neck pain, um, stiffness of the neck, 100% pillow related. But if you're sleeping on your side and if your arms go numb or legs go numb, no doubt your mattress is too firm. If you sleep on your stomach and uh, lower back pain, you don't have enough lumbar support in your bed. You got to get a little bit more lumbar support through the center third. You got to hold your hips just a little bit higher. Um, Women, once women start to have children, their hips are never the same. And for side sleepers, which I think most people are side sleepers, like you got to get that pressure off your joints. Like I always want to hold you and support you nice. Like it, you can't be too high on the bed. I don't want your hips high or low. Um, and I don't want your shoulders high or low. And sometimes when I see a person with like, whether they're real broad shouldered or if they're more hippie, like, okay, what, what's going to be best for them? And sometimes it's our, like our natural escape. I love that bed. I love that's the one I have. I love that bed. And you if you're, I didn't pay attention. If you're a side sleeper, you may even at some point want to add like a latex topper to the bed. Mm-hmm. Like my, my wife and I, like after five children, like her hips for sure are not the same. And when she, she was like, my hips are bothering me. I'm like, oh, we need to get a topper. We put the topper on the bed and all oh, that thing is so comfortable. It's like uh, you put that on and now she's so happy because it takes the pressure right off her hip joint, fills in by her belt line and takes the pressure off her shoulders really well. So we do have options for people. And sometimes I'll special build something. If I talk to them, no problem. I can do this for you. And, um, you know, it's we've done all kinds of beds. And I feel bad sometimes if people are like really, really heavy or they got medical problems. Uh, let me make the edges firmer for you. You're going to stand up easier or let me... 
let me work on the bed. I just want to make it a little heavier duty for you. You know what I mean? Like I'll, oh, I'll I do the best that. I can. That's help. really important to me. That's really it, cool. Yeah. It's um, everybody's unique and it's like, if you're not sleeping well, your whole day is shot, you know, yep. if you're sleeping lousy and it's, um, and I love our organic mattresses, like with at the wool that we use in there, like for people that sleep hot, like underneath that organic cotton fabric is organic certified organic wool and what i love about wool it's a hollow fiber so like it takes the heat from your body and even the moisture in the air distributes it it wicks away everything and it regulates body temperature so well so many people associate wool with you know being winter like being warm but like even in the summer i'll only wear wool socks your feet will never sweat and it's a uh, wool it's just beautiful so you know, the organic products I like so much better in a mattress than a traditional polyurethane or um, polyester fiber. It's no good. It's cheap. Even the padding in an organic mattress is beautiful. Like it's an open cell product. It's a, it breathes better. It lasts longer. It's just a better buy all the way around. Yeah. Wow. This is fascinating. So you think my natural escape queen is is good for me and now i'm like maybe i need the topper too this is if, it's yes. i'm learning so much <laughs> give it a couple weeks like i always tell people like a lot of times when people get a new bed they're like oh i'm so uncomfortable and i'm like please just give it a little bit of time mm. because your body's being held like if you've had a bed for 10 years you know just on average 10 years some are 14 years some are eight you know you never know but your body's being held different and you're so fully aware that you're being, you're, you're in a different alignment. So it's not uncommon to wake up a little uncomfortable. Um, like I want you to love it right away. That's everybody's goal. But if you don't give it a little bit of time, but if you do have any aches or pains, you let us know and we can help walk through and like diagnose and like, okay, nope, this is what we can do. This is a great option for you and uh, get you straightened out pretty quickly. Mm, I love that. Yeah, it's it's funny. A, a friend of mine who listened to the podcast actually as well, she was saying that she was house sitting and dog sitting and um or or for a work reason actually had to stay on a different bed. And that's what helped her realize, oh, actually I think it's time for me to get a new bed because yes. yeah. Yeah, a lot of times people be like, we were traveling and we noticed, you know, we didn't yeah. stay at high-end hotels, but my back didn't hurt the whole time. We came home and my back hurt, so it's time for a new mattress. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to learn. Well, th this is just incredible. I'm so happy that I got to meet you. And I want to ask you one more thing about the mattress with the different trends that you've seen, right? Like if we go back to the 90s where you're putting on Craigslist your organic mattresses when that wasn't a, a trend where now wellness and considering the environment is in a much different place than it was back then. And especially in the Midwest where, where I was at that time and where, where you were. And then, you know, you think back even further than that with mattress trends. And I know you were in the business before that as well, where you know, there's like the waterbed trend and I'm sure you've seen so many different things. So oh, can yeah. you talk about trends and like, did you ever sell waterbeds and like, do you ever <laughs> see waterbeds coming back? <laughs> no. And it's, um, I've slept on a waterbed like years ago, you know, and it's like, I never understood it. It's, uh, and like the memory foam beds, like I don't, 
I don't get it. Like they feel good, I think, to younger people. But as you get older, I'm not a fan of the polyurethanes and the VOCs and the off-gassing and everything that comes with like an all foam bed. And then for organic mattresses, like even locally, sometimes like, you know, and I hate to just categorize it, but a lot of times a wife will bring her husband in and the husband is kind of rolling his eyes. Like, you know, I'm not going to eat the mattress. Why does it need to be organic? But once you get talking to them and you're like, listen, like the fibers are better. Like there's no fire retardants in it. The fire retardants are proven to be cancer causing and it's not BS. Like, and it's bad what they put in mattresses and furniture now. It's bad news. It's getting more mainstream to have like a healthy mattress, have an organic mattress. But there is a lot of green washing out there, unfortunately, like where people are like, oh no, it's organic, but it'll be like 5% organic fibers. And it's like, well, what good is that? They may talk the talk, but it's like, it's not the real product. So people looking for a healthy mattress, like my best advice is make sure it's a certified organic mattress. Like those are going to be the healthy ones. And it's, and don't overspend. Like sometimes I see these people spend $5,000, $6,000 on a mattress. And I'm like, but there's no value. I don't get it. You know, like I know all the components. So I'm like, some people like to spend it because they, they want to invest in their sleep and they want to invest in their health. I get it. Um, but don't throw your money away. Like make sure it's a certified organic mattress, read the reviews. And it, you know, if you like the company, go with it. It's, um, but it's, yeah, don't overspend. Don't feel like you have to empty your bank account to get into something that's good for you or comfortable. Yeah, as far as trends go, like the pillow top mattresses, um, they feel good initially, but they generally always show like big body impressions. The memory foam mattresses sleep hotter. Like I don't like all the chemical exposure. Water beds, I don't know. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And then the air beds, like the, you know, like the, where you, check, you know, put your own pressure and stuff in there. Some people like them and it's, uh, I don't know, I guess there's uh, a lot of different options out there, but it's um, as far as mattresses go, if you're conscious about what you eat or how you take care of your body, look for a, a nice, healthy, organic mattress. It's your skin is your biggest organ and everybody perspires at night, almost a liter of fluid. And it's wow. like, yeah, your cells, your, your pores open up and it soaks up everything too. And it's, um, if you can get on a nice, healthy mattress, like you just, you just feel better. You breathe better. Wow. How often should we be changing our mattresses? How much, how long does, does one last? Honestly, you should get at least 10 years out of it. Like go a good 10 years, uh, for a well-built mattress for sure. That's great. Well, it's, it's funny. I, with the waterbed, did you see the movie licorice pizza? No. Well, he, there's a whole bit in it where this young kid who's like a child star. So he has a lot of money. And this is the character is played by Philip Seymour Hoffman's son who looks exactly like him. And he buys this mattress shop because it takes place in LA in the seventies. It's the, when the trend of waterbeds is happening. And so he starts selling waterbeds and it's like a whole trope of the show. But I just kind of had that image of that shop in my mind as you were telling about you at the shop. And anyway, so... I'm going to have to watch that movie. This <laughs> yeah, I, I think you, it's really entertaining. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was 
thoroughly entertaining for it's long and there's a lot of running in it, but I really liked it. <laughs> I think you'll, you'll get a kick out of at least that part. Well, I have one question that I want to ask you before we wrap up, which is I have been doing this show since 2013. So we're about to have our 400th episode and I used to ask people always about morning and evening routines, like the first few things you do when you wake up in the morning and the last few things you do before you go to bed at night. So what are some, I, I haven't asked that in a while, but I thought it's so perfect for what we're talking about with sleep. Like, do you have any sleep routines or rituals or things you do to make you sleep a little bit better? Or, or what's your morning routine like? Tell me about your life around sleeping. <laughs> I think routine, especially with sleeping, is key. Unless you're just exhausted at the end of the day, just come when you fall asleep. Um, but, I, you know, you got to have a routine. You got to shut yourself down. And, like, you hear it all the time. Like, dim the lights. No screen time. You know, at least 30 minutes before you go to bed. Um, and it's, yeah, like, I always just kind of shut it down and slow down the day and just kind of process everything. And it's usually helping clean up or, you know, do whatever, like that clears my mind, like, you know, doing dishes or whatever we do in the household. And then what I do is for sure, you know, like floss and brush my teeth every night. And then I go upstairs and I usually like listen to the radio for like 15 minutes. Maybe I shouldn't do that, but then I just, you know, turn the radio off and I'm asleep. And in the mornings, get up, get out of bed and big cup of water first thing. And then um, it's either oatmeal or eggs. And then either I go swimming or straight to the factory. So that's that's my morning. I love that. You floss every night. Every night. And it, you just got to get in the habit. And it's wow. um, once you do it, it's, you're so happy that you do. Because like when you're at the dentist and they're putting those things like yep. in your gums. And I just went you this want, week. And you're, yep. and you're like nervous. Like what are they talking about? Am I in good shape? Am I in my bad shape? Now you don't worry. And it's so easy. It only takes a minute to floss. And when I don't floss, I feel like my teeth are dirty. Yeah. Wow. Gosh, you would think my teeth are so dirty. I I just went to the dentist and she was like, yeah, it's bleeding a little bit when I'm flossing. How often do you floss? And I was like, not often. Uh, it, once you start to floss, it's um, in your teeth are, uh, they're kind of the window to your your health, you know, it's like you take care of those and all of a sudden you're taking care of other things in your life. I don't know why, but it's like some people will say, you know, oh yeah, I got to get motivated to do this. No, no, no. You do it. And that's your motivation. Mm. Once that you do it, you're like, look what I did. I'm going to do it again. And it, you know what I mean? I like that. Yeah. I really yeah, like that. It's not getting motivated to do something. It's doing it and it provides some motivation because you're proud of it. Like, that wasn't so bad. I'll do it again tomorrow. Yeah, so. that's so true. That's that's a really good point. Because I have, a, I have a lot of good habits that I'm proud of that I just wouldn't even think of not doing. You know, I, I wear my retainer pretty well and I like oh, you, get oh, my meditation in. And I know, I know it's gross that I don't. I do, just not every <laughs> night. Maybe a couple of times a week tops. And, you know, I, but it does, it, it, it's true. It's like, there are things that just happen and I don't even think about them anymore, but there are other things I'm trying to, it's actually funny. We're having this conversation because my really good friend here, Zoe, right before my birthday, 
she was like, what do you want for your birthday? Like, what do you want to do? Like, what do you, you know, just kind of making a plan. And I took a long time and I finally responded to her and I was like, oh, I thought about it, Zoe. I know what I want. I want better sleep hygiene and to be do better at hydrating. And she oh, yeah. texts me back and she's like, cool, cool, cool. So like, those aren't like the easiest gifts and like party plan, but I can try to help you with that. And so funnily enough, every, I was staying up really late, just not, not even that I was like out or doing things. I was just either working later than I wanted to, or just, you know, I also like you listen to podcasts at night. I don't have a TV, but I was just like re even just like reading late, just up later than I wanted to be. And I wanted to switch the habit. And so every night I've been sending her a photo of myself in bed, like at whatever time it is. Uh. And then at the end of the week, she gives me a prize depending on like how <laughs> well I do with my sleeping. And so like one week I got a poem, another week I got a, a song that she sent me. And it's I highly recommend if you um, have a friend as, as good as Zoe to help you with your sleep hygiene and getting a migraine mattress and you'll be good to go. Oh, for sure. It's, <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like I need to send you some floss. Yeah, I know. I next thing next thing we know, this is like if we weren't promoting the mattress, we've also really made a good case for flossing and the state of Michigan in this episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Katie, thank you so much for having me on. I loved it. Thank you so much. It was truly a delight. So we end every episode with letting out. The name of the show is Let It Out. So I'll I'll offer that to you. Is there anything that you wish that I would have asked you? Anything that you never get to talk about that you want to share? Anything else you want to let out? No. And I feel like I should say something, but I I, I thought that everything was awesome. Your questions were great. It's uh, I really enjoyed myself. Oh, thank you. Well, we end letting out a deep breath together. Will you do it with me? Yes. Okay. Inhale. Let it out. Ah, that always feels better. Well, thank you so much. It was so, so nice Katie. to meet you. And thanks so much for doing this. You are welcome. Anytime. I sure enjoyed it. Thank you. Let me know what you think of the show. If you are still listening right now, that means maybe you like it. And if so, please share it with a friend or maybe leave a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening. Okay. I will talk to you next week with a fresh new episode. Again, I love you and I'm so grateful that you're here.